0: Keep on what you love. You'll find that someday, soon enough, you will rise up, rise up, yeah. Welcome back to
1: Underdog. I'm your host, Pamela Bardi, And today I'm super excited to introduce my next guest to you, Chris Borelli. Chris grew up below the poverty line in Boston, Massachusetts. At the age of 11, he was placed into custody of social services along with his three siblings. Later adopted at 14 by his longtime foster family, the Borellis, Chris began to interpret his life from an entirely different perspective. With the Borellis, he discovered his love for music by practicing piano and singing on a regular basis. Supported by a loving adoptive family, Chris decided that music was his calling. For all of his adolescent and teenage years, Chris was solely a singer and songwriter. His piano and singing skills were sharp at a young age. He performed original songs, sang in choirs, and participated at local singing competitions. It wasn't until he was 18 when Chris discovered his abilities in hip hop. He began writing verses and simultaneously building his production skills as an undergrad in college. It was here where Chris discovered his voice in rap music and crafted his energetic stage presence. His ability strengthened quickly as he was able to apply his classical knowledge of music into his style of rap. Chris has performed on several stages among different platforms, both in Boston and New York City. He's been invited to the Vans Warped Tour in the summer of 2012 and invited back the following year. Performed for college audiences such as UMass, Boston College, Northeastern University, and many, many others. He's opened up for T-Pain, Joyner Lucas, Waka Flocka, Andy Grammer, Cobra Starship, George Watsky, Hermitude, Troy Boy, and several others. He's also played Keys with Wycliffe Jean in New York City. At 27, Chris has acquired a moderate fan base and continues to perform and release various projects. His latest EP, Lucid, is now available on all major streaming platforms. Today, we welcome Chris. Chris, what's up?
2: What's good, what's good, Pam, good to see you. What up, underdog, love y'all, what's going on?
1: (laughs) How you doing?
2: I'm good, I'm good, it's been crazy, I'm good. I'm living life, happy to be here, So good.
0: So happy to have you, so happy to have you. So Chris, we go back to like Stone Hills, what, we were just saying, like 11 years?
2: Something like that, yeah, it's been a good long time.
0: You know what's crazy is like at that point in time we both kind of sat down and like you had your set visions and I had my set visions and we were just both kind of like, I'll see you there.
2: Yeah, yes, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I feel like that that kind of energy has has stayed with me ever since. And you're one of those people that I always kind of just look to and admire and always have, you know, I mean, from a distance, whatever the case may be, just you know, always staying humble, staying hungry. And I feel like you were somebody that I shared in that energy with, in terms of being hungry and having that vision, like you said, and I needed that more than I ever even realized when we were in college. I just like, I was just so taken by that energy. I loved it and it just made me want to keep going and keep pushing, you know?
0: That's amazing. I mean, you gotta give credit to yourself that you went out there and you started doing it though. Cause your first performance was at Stonehill. Yeah.
2: That's correct. My first performance was at Stonehill. (laughs) It was a a coffee house situation (laughs) and, uh, your boy was rocking shades on stage with like jeans and I, just, I don't know what was going on like I was trying to figure it out it was clearly my first performance but, but it was good it went really well it was cool and uh you know obviously I've grown a lot since then and I like to think that I definitely have sharpened the blade uh you know being at Stonehill you know I, I really figured out who I was as an artist or at least started to and established you know some stage presence and techniques and things like that. It really was just like my training grounds to just like figure it out. But at the time it was also just like Stonehill was my whole world, as you probably can relate. Yeah. Stonehill was the whole world. So, you know, in Stonehill, I felt like a celebrity. <laughs> but yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, man. They're lining up for you. They're like, oh, Chris is performing. What? We gotta go. We gotta- we're out. We're out. You know? And I'm like, Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're gonna go to that show. I remember you just kept elevating and elevating. And it was like, and I remember talking to you and saying, like, please don't ever Give up on this because I know you're gonna Mm -hmm. make a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I see that and I continue to see that in you. So I'm like so excited to talk about all this today and sort of where you are with the music, how you got there, and sort of where you're going. So, what inspired you in in the music world in the first place? Like, how did you get to be like, all right, I'm gonna perform at this coffee house, you know?
2: Word. I mean, so music, the story for me, like, it really goes back to when I was like 11 years old. And as you may or may not know, I was adopted when I was uh, 14. And so before I was adopted, I was a foster child and for about three years before that. And it was in that time when I met the, obviously came across the Borelli family and they had a a piano in their, in their home. And I had never touched an instrument before, uh, before that time. And I remember just sitting down 11 years old, just started plucking away at the piano and just being like, yo, I kind of like this. (laughs) 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 And uh, I I made it a thing. And I just, I kind of just basically established this really natural sort of love and and obsession for it, really. Over time, I just basically started playing the piano, teaching myself how to play, basically. I played it like a video game. Like, that was my video game, was the piano. I couldn't stop. And it was just as much about learning the piano as it was discovering my love for music. Like, that's really what it was at that point in time. And uh, I like to say that music sort of saved my life in that way, because I was coming from a pretty tough situation back at home. Uh, with my family and whatnot and uh, there was just a lot of uh, drugs and alcohol abuse and things like that and a lot of things that my family has recovered from since then in a very beautiful way but at the time uh it was a struggle it was tough and so piano and, and music was was my outlet and it was my only way through it um and and that was my introduction to music so you take that energy and you carry that through it, it never changed so in terms of why it, and how it became a thing for me it literally saved my life. I could have ended up in so many different places. If it wasn't piano, it could have been a whole number of different things that could have been completely to my detriment. I had clearly an energy towards something, you know what I mean? Like I had a lot of love and energy to give to something and I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm. And it just so happened to be music and it started with piano. So yeah, it's, you know, fast forward to college, basically, you know, I I had uh, taken some lessons for a couple of years, but I'm mostly self-taught and then it was college when I basically started to learn how to produce and and write hip hop songs and uh, mix and master and all that stuff. It all sort of came to me at Stonehill College. Yeah, I, I recorded my first rap song in college. I wrote my first verse in college. I, I did all that uh, in college is really when it all went down.
0: <laughs> That's so insane because you yeah. you listen to your music and you're like, like, he made this beat and he's also singing and rapping on this beat. And it's like, Do people ask you if you went to Berkeley?
2: Yeah, actually. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I get that every now and then.
0: You know what I think is like so amazing about that is like you took that energy and you just kind of did it. You kind of didn't be like, oh, well, I don't have an audio degree. I didn't do audio production, like any of that. But like you just went and learned it. You're like, oh, I'm just going to figure out if I learned how to play the piano, I'm just going to learn how to figure that out. Like how like it's like you have this fearless energy about you is that like how your mindset was at the time like you're like how did I get to you know what I mean like I know yeah do it
2: I kind of feel like it was like that I feel like it was exactly that it was just a lot of like just believing in myself and not knowing exactly why or how what I was doing was going to work but I knew that I needed to do something and just like share in that energy and find a way to express myself really in my mind piano was exactly what that was slash music in general And as I sort of grew and progressed uh, through college and and was producing more and all that stuff, I basically, you know, just found new ways to express myself, express my thoughts and feelings, tell my story, speak on my past, speak on my future, um, you know, speak on my ambitions and really kind of just develop this, this persona uh, that I didn't even know existed until I started really diving into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So besides... Besides the music, what was your biggest sort of motivation, like, growing up? I know music had a lot to do with it, but.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, I mentioned that, you know, I come from a a pretty tough, you know, family background with, you know, being in foster care, I had, uh, you know, I have three, four siblings, and we were all sort of going through it together. And if anything, it really was just a matter of wanting to better our situation, better my situation, and just, like, see a better life for everybody around me that I hold close, you know? Um, And that included, you know, a lot of close friends as well. And really just learning from the struggles that I sort of watched my parents kind of go through uh, together and individually. And and just knowing that, I guess, we're all sort of going through our own struggles, for sure, and and being young and watching them go through theirs, having grown up and and understanding more how all that worked and, and how and why certain things went down. I would say back at the time, yeah, like I just wanted a way out of the of, of the danger and the craziness and, and just the sadness and everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that that was definitely a big inspiration, just to see a better life overall and, mm-hmm. and not being sure how that would look, but knowing that I had to do something, you know, I, I had a fire in me and something needed to happen and I, I fell on music and that's just what it was, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So your mantra was just always music. You were just like, that's, your, that's the escape. That's the way out. That's the way to...
2: Yeah, that's, that's what it was. And even before piano was a thing, like music is such a big part of, of just like my, my family background in general. I grew up on Marvin Gaye and Prince and, mm-hmm. and, and Barry Gordy and all that stuff. Barry White too, even like a, a lot of the classics. My parents were very big into music. And, um, you know, they weren't necessarily musicians themselves or artists or anything, but we always had jams bumping in the apartment all the time. And so music has always just kind of been flowing through me in different ways. Uh, and I would say that it really has sort of helped. Even before I sort of picked it up myself, it was great to just like always have music a part of me in some way, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: That's so dope. Because like it, music's a huge part of me too. And I mean, that's yeah. how you and I met in the first place was hip hop. Right. Program, right? Like, yeah. like <laughs> and at Stonehill and it's like, everyone's like, you know, Pam, why don't you join like the Frisbee club or like do this and do that? And I'm like, I would rather die. But that's yes, besides the point, but I was like, to me, it was like, in music, you just find so much sol- solace. Solace, yeah, solace. solace. Yeah. Okay, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, for me, it was always like within the, like, the stressful times of my life, what I do, and even to this day, and I don't care how many millions I get to, if I get to billionaires, I don't care what it is. You will mm-hmm. see me in my car, windows down music blasting yeah that's what it's gonna you know what i mean it's just music has a way of sort of releasing so much and not only that but like the way that it can connect you with people like you don't even have to know what they're saying look Mm -hmm. at america with reggaeton for example right (laughs) Right. yeah they have no idea what's being said but they're like still rocking with the with the vibes you know so yeah yeah i feel you when you say that you know and it's like so what was like your earliest memory in the music world because like for me I have this picture that my mom has of me, and I literally look like a boy. Like, (laughs) I have my hat backwards, and I have these headphones on, and I'm, like, two years old, just, like, sitting Mm -hmm. on the bed, and I show everyone, like, yeah, this is me when I was little, and everyone's, like, that looks like a boy, but okay, you know, and my mom used to tell me that, and what I didn't know was, like, my mom told me that it, when I was in her stomach, that she um, used to put headphones on her belly, and I Mm -hmm. never knew that. And I was like, that's crazy. No wonder I have like an affinity for music. Cause I just like, that's my escape. Like that's my stress. Relief. People are like, how do you stay wow. safe? Like that's literally the, the thing I just blast. And I just, I don't know, the whole world just kind of goes silent. And I, I feel like you've got that kind of suit too. too if I'm yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. It's a similar, a similar sort of uh, sentiment from my end. Yeah. I mean, My earliest memories, I would say, are, uh, I'd say, back in, like, Framingham, right outside of Boston, living in an apartment on uh, Toralei Terrace. And uh, my mom, like I was saying, very big into Prince and Marvin Gaye and Michael Jackson was a big one as well. I would say those three, I'm pretty sure she had, like, VCR videos of, like, you know how they used to do, like, the music video runs, those movies where it was basically, like, it was basically a movie, but it was just a string of music videos from, like, your most famous popular artist kind of thing. Uh, So my mom had like the Michael Jackson tape and like the Marvin Gaye tape and like (laughs) would be bumping those like every day, every morning, all night, all day. uh, And just like singing to it. And just like we always were just kind of there soaking it in, (laughs) whether we liked it or not. (laughs) Uh, And then my dad was always, uh, you know, he was a big Tupac fan and hip hop and was just way more in that sort of world. So between the two is just like it's everything that I sort of am today. Um, I was
0: just gonna say that (laughs) I'm like you are like like the Tupac energy but then you also got like the smooth classic energy at the same time like combined into one so now it all makes sense I'm actually just realizing
2: that as we speak
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's kind of crazy you know like like, and it's crazy how as a child like things in your identity can develop and you just never know like it literally has shaped your music career and what you do now, which is amazing oh my god absolutely getting into the music and all this stuff and you mentioned that we've been through a lot of things a lot of different struggles and stuff like that so what was like the one thing was it that sort of kept you going besides music was it like an inspiration you know because there's always people listening that everyone's going through something right Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: it's like how in your experience can you guide them to get past like the hump Mm -hmm. you know of one growing up because i know you mentioned that that was a tough part for you right just never know who's listening and might be going to the same thing or know somebody who who is you know
2: yeah no absolutely honestly um yeah I have to give a lot of credit uh to uh, the Ron Burton Training Village and the Burton family um I don't know how much you and I spoke about this when we were in college probably not a whole lot but uh basically the Ron Burton Training Village is a, is a really special place in short it's a camp a sports camp but it's so much more than that uh, it's basically like a a five week overnight program run by an incredible, incredible, beautiful family, and basically they take in inner city kids uh, from all over the all over the country, really, for a, about a month. Like I was saying, and basically nurture us, mentor us, physically, spiritually, mentally. It's unlike anything most people have ever really heard of. That
0: <laughs> uh, was amazing. I don't know about yeah, it. <laughs> it. It
2: is incredible. It is incredible. It's the actual facility is out in Western Massachusetts, Hubbardston, Mass. Mm-hmm. And when I talk about my upbringing, when I talk about you know my inspirations or just how I powered through things and 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 whatever else, I have to give credit to to the Ron Burton Training Village. Um, yeah, it, you know, every single day we were getting up at four 30 in the morning, we were running seven miles. Uh, we, we, our whole days consisted of various drills and activities. Um, there was music. Uh, I was, uh, the co-music director for a long time, uh, when I was there. Um, and it was all basically one big homage slash, you know, uh, fulfilling the dream of Ron Burton Sr. Who started the camp back, uh, in 1985. And he was a running back on the Patriots in the sixties. And long story short, he wanted to start a camp for inner-city kids to get better and just better themselves because that's who he was. He grew up in Ohio. Uh, his nickname was Nothing. That was literally what they used to call him. He wasn't fast. He was he wasn't couldn't really figure things out on, on the field. Football was his game. Uh, no one gave him a chance. But then one day somebody did. And, and long story short, he ended up you know being on the Patriots. Became um, you know quite the businessman uh, and really just changed a whole lot of lives. So his camp was basically. Uh, his way of giving back everything that he had ever sort of received on his end. Um, He passed away in 2003, rest in peace. But since then, uh, his five kids have, um, you know, taken the torch a long way and even before that. um, And the camp is still going strong today despite uh, all the circumstances Um, But yeah, shout out to the Burton family. Shout out to the Ron Brain Training Village. Uh, They have absolutely had a huge hand in making me who I am today. So all to answer your question. (laughs) Um, When it comes to just tough times and things like that, like every summer I'd be at the camp and you know it was it was also a very religious camp as well so we were very into the bible and scriptures and things like that and a lot of that stuff you know whether you were religious or not it just was inspirational and motivational and i learned so much about how to just power through things because we were going through so much being at the camp it was a struggle in its own way but it was on purpose and it was run by really loving nurturing just beautiful people uh, but it was difficult on purpose. And we all came out as as brothers in a way that, you know, I, I couldn't, like I said, I, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of anything like it. Yeah, I have to credit a lot of it to that. I have to, I have to. And anybody from the camp watching, and listening, and you know the vibes.
0: <laughs> amazing. That just like takes yeah. me back to when I was in high school. It was like my transformational trips that I took. And you never think that service trips like really make this much of an impact, but like honest to God, they do. You know, yeah. like those group right. trips that they take you, like service trips that I went to DR and was building houses there and saw like a family of twelve sleeping on a full size bed and still being the happiest people in the whole wide world. And then you come here and like everyone's complaining because their Wi-Fi like doesn't work, you know, like it's yeah. it, it puts life in perspective in such a way that like hold it like you're blessed, you know? You're yeah. blessed. So it's like these, so these experiences like these that kind of take you out of your regular element and they, they challenge you, you know? So I, I just think right. it's fascinating. I think that's fascinating. And it seems like you, you're still involved because I know you've posted about it because now that you said the name, I know you've posted about it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> and you, I, you volunteered there a few times too?
2: Uh, yeah, like basically when I got to like college years, um, I was sort of just like working there uh, during the summers as like staff basically. Um, and 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 I was compensated for it. Um, since then, since I graduated college, I haven't been back for any volunteer work or anything like that because I've just been working full time now. And you know yeah, how it is,
0: New York, yeah, uh, yeah, too.
2: Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, But I'm very much affiliated still in the sense that I, you know I'm still um, you know close with the Burton family, and uh, I, I consider them you know fathers to me. It's, there's four boys, uh, one girl, and yeah, no, they're they're incredible people, just incredible people. So I am still affiliated for sure.
0: That's awesome. So, like, what's like the number one takeaway that you had from that camp?
2: Oh wow! I mean, after what—eleven, twelve, thirteen years of camp—I would say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a lot, I well, know. No, no, no. It's okay because you know a lot of it. There was always like a like a theme every single summer that they would go by, and the one theme that has always resonated with me ever since every single summary was always different, but the one theme that always resonated with me was not without a struggle, and that was a a theme that um, Paul Burton pieced together. Paul Burton is a a newscaster, journalist, uh, WBZ in Boston, and um, he's also a a reverend, um, an ordained, like, reverend, and he was very responsible for, like, Bible studies and things like that, and was, you know, extremely motivational and inspirational in that way and he kind of led sort of the the, the bible teachings and the scriptures and things like that um, among others as well but uh that one theme that he presented to us that one year i feel like is the one that stuck out to me you know over a decade later it still works it still applies to this day not without a struggle it's if anything that's a mantra that i've been able to sort of subconsciously internalized just to get me through whatever you know what i mean because yeah like any kind of greatness any kind of success comes not without a struggle you know at least in my life that's how it's gone but when you can internalize that and just like keep that in your heart and in your mind at all times like it's just for me it's just been extremely motivational it's been that little boost of energy to keep me going it's supposed to be hard you know what i mean it's supposed to not be easy but there's always like blessings on the other side you know what i mean that are that make it all worth it you know
0: Oh, one thousand percent! I completely agree with that. No struggle, no progress. That's what it is. That's right. You know, That's right. that was Henry Thevenin
2: oh wow oh wow yes yes the homie oh the homie no
0: struggle no, struggle, no progress and god bless him up there i know yes, he's watching, rest in but, peace. but it's so true though you know what i mean and it's like people when they when they face struggle they feel like they shut down and it's like no 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 no. this is like part of the process the best quote i ever read that really helped me throughout my years has been diamonds are not built without pressure they're created mm-hmm. from pressure Mhm. So you want to be like some random ugly cement rock or you want to be a diamond how do you want That's to go right. you know? so i just think it's fascinating how also to science has a way of kind of speaking to us through through different things like that so it's like yeah. I, well as you were saying struggle i'm like yeah it means pressure it's all these things but yeah. it's, those things are what make you great right so right. speaking of greatness because i'm in the almighty greatness right now of chris barelli <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what have been, so now we talked about the struggles and leave that sort of in the past is you are just blowing up first off and I just see you continuing to rise higher and higher and just stepping in your power more and more as we've seen throughout the years. Like I've said before, we've always seen each other, right? Even since it's been seven years out of college, we've always just been like, it's been like the hat off to each other every time <laughs> in social media, yeah. like I know you know what I mean, you know, and it's like, Absolutely. I'm so happy to see you keep going and like keep crushing it and just taking your skills to like a whole new level. And like moving to New York now, I think that's a huge thing for you. I mean, you've been there three years already. I can't believe that. So what have been in like your career? What have been some of your biggest like aha moments or your favorite moments in your career? Cause you started at Stonehill in the coffee house and you've done some right. pretty amazing things. I know you're humble. This is why I'm asking you cause you would never talk about <laughs> it if I don't.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. You know how to get it out of me. Uh, yep. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, I mean, there's been a couple of really good highlights. I mean, I think shortly after college, uh, shortly after I graduated, Stonehill had me back uh, to open for T-Pain and, and Waka Flocka, which was oh, wild.
0: Yeah, I remember
2: that. <laughs> that was crazy. That was crazy.
1: So that's it for part A of my interview with Chris.